Me Teach You. I'm Sarah. And I'm Matt. And today, Me Teach You and Matt about something that I'm actually doing a bit of a change of pace. Ooh. I know before I've been sort of rattling off facts about random things. Mm-hmm. This time is something more like, it's sort of like a brain teaser. Oh. But it's a real event that happened. Okay. It's got murder. It's got mystery. It takes place in Germany. It's called The Phantom of Heilbronn. All right. Have you ever heard of this? I have not. So I'm going to take you back to 2007. A 22-year-old German police officer named Michelle Kaiswetter and her partner, Martin Arnold, they're sitting in their patrol car in the city of Heilbronn. Okay. Picture this. It's a small city in southwestern Germany. It's about 120,000 people. You came from like a smallish city, right? Yeah. How many people? Do you know? Um. Yeah, like 70,000. I feel like that's a small number, right? Yeah. Like 100,000-ish? It's yeah. not huge. Yeah, maybe up to 100. Yeah. It's, probably not it's even, It's one of those though. places where you're like, I know everybody, but you don't, but it kind of maybe feels like it sometimes. Yeah. So it's a warm day in late April. They're on a break. They're sitting in their patrol car. They have their windows down and Michelle is smoking a cigarette. Okay. Martin says he remembers looking at the rearview mirror and kind of from the shadows, a man walks out and comes towards the passenger side, which is where he's sitting. Okay. And then he sees someone else come towards the driver's side. And the last thing he remembers Michelle saying is, you can't get any peace and quiet anywhere. And then boom, boom. They're both shot in the head at point blank range. Whoa. Michelle dies at the scene and Martin actually survives. He goes into a coma for a few months and first he doesn't remember anything. And then he starts recalling these details. Yeah. Both of their service weapons and their handcuffs are taken away from the scene. I mean, does this feel like a robbery to you? It's pretty bold to shoot two police officers on their break in a small town. Seems like an execution. Yes, exactly. And it seems kind of planned out. And they already had guns to begin with because they shot them to death. Yeah. So investigators were able to collect DNA from the scene. And the only DNA they could find that seemed relevant belonged to a woman. And it wasn't just any woman. This was actually a DNA of a suspected serial killer and criminal who had struck across Austria, France, and Germany for almost 20 years. Oh, wow. And they didn't know who she was. They called her the Phantom of Heilbronn because Heilbronn is where this took place. And this is really what kind of, you know, pushed her into the public eye. They also called her the woman without a face, which is terrifying. Yes. <laughs> All they <laughs> Always knew, a scary thought. <laughs> All they knew is that she was of Eastern European descent and that she was like biologically a woman, according to her DNA. Yep. But they didn't have any more information. So no one had seen it. There were no witnesses. There were some witnesses. Oh, okay. There were people who saw someone leaving a crime. But the weird part is, is half the time they said that it looked like a man. Oh, and so they kind of had some confusion. They're like, I don't understand. Is a woman in disguise? Is it like a man who is biologically female or what? Yeah. So all they really had was her DNA. And they knew that she hadn't been caught in any security cameras, no photos, just DNA and word of mouth. That's it. Interesting. And another thing that made police really struggle to catch her or find out more about her is that the crimes she was connected to were so wildly different. Like it was 40 different crimes. All right. Across several countries. Across several countries. They were close to each other, at least. This is honestly kind of feels like a brain teaser to me, doesn't it? Where it's yeah. like, how could this be possible? The first traces were found at a scene of a murder in 1993. It was a 62-year-old woman living in Germany, about 180 kilometers west of Heilbronn, or 110 miles. So it wasn't that far. Yeah. But I mean, this was like over a decade earlier. Her DNA was found on a cup at the scene. Very interesting. The Phantom's DNA. The Phantom's DNA. On a cup, like a coffee cup or? Yeah, just like a cup in her home where oh. the woman was found dead. Oh, interesting. So, like I said, her DNA was found at 40 different 
crime scenes. That's a lot of crime scenes. It truly is. And the kind of weird part is that usually you have like a profile, right? right? You're like, okay, this is someone who's sadistic. This is someone who robs people for money. This is someone who does this or that or this. Yeah. But this phantom really had almost, it was just erratic, the type of crime she was involved in. Here are a few. Okay. Okay. Her DNA was found on a stone used for smashing a window after a burglary in 2006 in Germany. Interesting. On a stone. On a toy pistol after a 2004 robbery of a Vietnamese gem store trader in France. So, I mean, those are both, you know, robbery. Yeah. Rob, rob. Her DNA was found on 20 different burglaries and thefts of cars and motorbikes between 2003 and 2007 in Germany and Austria. So that really bumps up her number. <laughs> yeah. You think 40, you're like, Jesus Christ. But wow. now they kind of just... Okay, yeah. I have a theory, but I want you to keep you're going. You're probably right. Okay. <laughs> this, is a, this is, yeah, you're probably, you probably already have sort of like an inkling of what is happening here. Yeah. In the car of a nurse who was found dead in 2008 in Germany on a projectile after a fight between two brothers in 2005 in Worms, Germany. I know I haven't said, I can't pronounce it in many of these cities, but I like Worms. Worms. Worms, Germany. Her DNA was found on a cookie, the leftovers of a cookie in a trailer that was forcefully opened in the night of 2001 in Germany and many, many more. All the police knew is that she was a murderer she was a thief and she was extremely good at going undetected. From country to country. From all country to country. She was basically like, you know, she was the, on the top of her game. So after the murder of this police officer, police really, really upped their investigations. Yeah. And remember, a lot of the DNA taken in the 90s wasn't actually analyzed until the early 2000s. Of course. And so all of a sudden they're like, holy fuck. She's everywhere. She's everywhere. They have like a map with all these red strings across the board and they're like, she's here. She's here. This doesn't make a shape. Where is she? Why is she doing this? Yeah. So they put up a reward for 300,000 euros leading to the capture or identity of this woman or kind of blanketed whoever might be involved in this crime. Nothing. Two years go by. The police have no leads. They have not been able to capture this woman and her DNA is still showing up in crime scenes. However, there was a break in the case in 2009. The body of an asylum seeker who had died in a fire. Uh-huh. Cops went to the scene and they swabbed his ID card and they found her DNA. Which, I mean, just logically, it's very weird. Yeah. It's like, why would you go into someone's wallet? I mean, I guess if you're robbing somebody, yeah. but why not just take the whole wallet? Why just stop? Yeah. But when they checked again, they found nothing. Interesting. And so this is probably what your guess was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone is like, what the hell? This doesn't make any sense. Why is the DNA happening once? And then we check again. And it's not there. It's not like DNA just disappears. We didn't like clean it off or anything. But suddenly a horrifying realization dawned on them. They were using cotton swabs <laughs> to collect evidence from every scene. And the cotton swabs are coming from the same factory. <laughs> There's an article in the Times by Claudia Himmelreich. Germany's phantom serial killer, a DNA blunder. (laughs) All right. So you already kind of get where it's going. Mm -hmm. So here's what it says from the article. An investigator said, these things were double packaged. We thought they were the Mercedes of cotton swabs. (laughs) But as soon as this was discovered that they had potentially been contaminated, the company said, we never said that they could be used for DNA. We just said they're for medical use. Yeah. And so that was like their immediate statement. The company also said they sterilized them before use. But sterilization does remove bacteria, viruses, and fungi, but not DNA. It's interesting, though, to me that all of those swabs had the same person's DNA on them. Well, I wonder how many crimes with other people who worked, you know, in the manufacturing plant. Very, very interesting. Mystery DNA there. 
and it's over 20 years. Yeah. I mean, it's 16 years. And so I wonder. She's a long hauler. She's a long hauler. But also, I wonder if they just made a bunch at the beginning and then they kind of mixed them up in the stock room and her DNA is on some random packages. Yeah, could be. You know what I mean? My theory was that it was like an Interpol lab technician. Oh, yeah, that's smart. That's, really, that's yeah. pretty much Yeah, you know, it's pretty much similar. the same idea. You, yeah. you get full points for that. So when it comes to the murder of the police officer, okay. there is actually a conclusion to that. Oh. So in 2011, her and her partner's service weapons were found in a caravan where two German neo-Nazis committed suicide. Mm. Her death was linked to a string of xenophobic murders by the German neo-Nazi terrorist group National Socialist Underground. Have you ever heard about them? No. They're fucking crazy people. Yeah, truly. The, they're neo-Nazis. Of course so, they are. the NSU for short perpetrated attacks between 2000 and 2007 throughout Germany, leaving 10 people dead and one wounded. Most of their victims were small business owners, like at little like you know shops, like donair places, kebabs, green grocers. They just killed them in broad daylight at point blank range. Jesus. Does that sound familiar? It's happened to the cops too. Yeah. They didn't really understand what the connection was. There were some theories, but what fucking monsters, honestly. Yeah. So the one good thing that came from this is that the International Organization for Standardization published a new standard to define the requirements for producing consumables free of human DNA contamination designated for collecting biological evidence of crime scenes. Oh, there you go. It took till 2016, apparently. But we finally did it, guys. <laughs> so the main takeaway from this story is the moral, if you will. Do you have one? Because I have one. Yeah, uh, please tell me. The moral for me is if you want to get away with murder, just get a job at a swab factory. <laughs> 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 Truly. Fair enough. But I think it's really important to like question when these things are happening. Like, what's the link between all of these crimes? Because from the outside, it was like it didn't make you were looking at the motive, right? Yeah. You're looking at the locations. You were looking at the fact that her DNA was show, showed up at every single scene. But like, what is the actual unifying thing? It's the goddamn swabs. It's the yeah. equipment everybody uses. Yeah. And it's funny because they later checked different jurisdictions, like different areas. And in the areas where they never, they use different swabs, obviously nothing showed up. Yeah. I bet. I, I wonder what the cops like the second they realized must have been like, fuck. Yeah. Because over like those 16 years, there was like thousands and thousands of man hours put into this. Yeah. They legitimately thought it was a serial killer. Yeah. And there's nothing to connect those cases otherwise. No, it was like petty robberies. Yeah. And a lot of the cases were just like the two brothers, like two brothers were fighting with each other, a projectile, whatever that means. I looked it up, couldn't find anything else. Why would her DNA be on that? Yeah. Did she just like slink in and she's like, <laughs> she was like the devil. She like whispered in their ear. She's like, you should fight your brother. Yeah. <laughs> and then she touches the projectile and walks away. Yeah. It's uh, bizarre. And it's a good example of a, a simple explanation being the correct one. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of thinking outside the box to solve a crime yeah. or any kind of problem. Yeah. So that is the story of the Phantom of Heilbronn. Wow. Good story. Thanks for teach me. <laughs> All right. Now it is time for me to teach you. Okay, I'm ready. Mentally. Uh, about the treasure of Forest Finn. Oh! <gasps> I've heard about this, but I don't know that much. Yeah, so you've probably heard about this because it was in the news this year. Yeah, CNN was running stories and uh, I kind of skimmed it. Back in June is probably where you first heard about this when yes. most people probably first heard about this. Forrest Fenn himself. Uh, yeah, so let's go back to the balmy years of 1988. Ugh, balmy. Yeah. Like warm? Ronald Reagan was president. What's balmy? Because they were, it was balmy. They were all, it was Sweaty? a hot summer night. <laughs> 
1988, baby. Dude, what happened? Uh, well, a man named Forrest Fenn was diagnosed with terminal cancer, mm-hmm. but a few late years later, he beat it. Good for him. Uh, and it that experience kind of gave him a a new sense of like adventure, was mm-hmm. seeking adventure in life. So this man was a uh, he he was a uh, an artifact dealer what? slash treasure hunter. All right, so we're going to go back to the year of like 2008 or so, okay. so a good 20 years after his uh, his unfortunate cancer diagnosis. Okay. And uh, we so we're jumping forward 20 years to 2008, okay. uh, where the FBI is raiding his home. What? What yes. happened? So he his house was uh, filled to the brim with rare artifacts. <laughs> oh, my God. And they were convinced that some of them were either stolen or not, uh, you know, his by right. How does a man acquire artifacts besides with money these days? Uh, well, that's a good question. Uh, he liked to travel around and get these artifacts. So he could have just stolen them. He could have walked yeah. into a temple and, and been like, oh, this looks nice. That is indeed what they thought. So there was a larger operation, a sting operation, including that involved several people. But they mm-hmm. raided his home. Uh, and after, you know, bringing an expert archaeologist through it to comb over every single thing. God, you must have hated that. They only confiscated three items and what? they never pressed any charges against Do you know what the him. items were? I don't. You know what? That's okay. Like, I feel like almost every single person has three artifacts in their homes that the police wouldn't like you to have. Yeah. That are not yours by right. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, I picked up this piece of volcanic rock from Pompeii. You're not supposed to do that. Yeah. You're not supposed to do that. That kind of thing. Yeah. At some point around this time, he procured a bronze chest <laughs> that was forged in the 12th century. <laughs> the hell? Where did his money come from? Do you have any, do you have any idea? Uh, like I said, he was an artifact dealer. Yeah, but what? How do you start? Like, did he, he take out a loan? He was independently wealthy. <laughs> Okay, go on. So he uh, procured a bronze chest that was forged in the 12th century, adorned with knights going on adventures. Oh my God. Uh, he proceeded to fill the chest with uh, s- estimated somewhere between two to five million dollars worth of jewelry, gold coins, and gems. How could he even have stolen this shit? And then he trudged into the Rocky Mountains and he <laughs> hid it. Allegedly. Allegedly, or yeah. so the story goes. <laughs> so in 2010... He uh, wrote a book of short stories called The Thrill of the Chase. Oh my God. It's like the fucking thrill of the hunt. Isn't it like man is the most dangerous animal? (laughs) I'm getting weird vibes here. A little bit. Yeah. So, and you know what? That's actually not a bad comparison. So he uh, had 5,000 copies of the book printed. And he, he gave it to a single independent bookstore in New Mexico that to sell so the cool. only place that could sell the book. <laughs> so these 5,000 copies were snapped up uh, very quickly. I wonder how people heard about it. And um, after it was totally sold out, he did print another 15,000. So there were about 20,000 of these books that went into circulation. I wonder how much he sold them for. Not very much. Okay. Basically like a few dollars. Yeah, yeah, a few dollars. But only one store was able to sell them. I wonder them. why. I wonder if he tr- maybe he trusted the owner. Yeah. Uh, over the you know the next decade, uh, he estimated himself and other people have sort of estimated this as well that somewhere in the neighborhood of three hundred and fifty thousand people joined the hunt for uh, Forrest Fenn's hidden treasure mm-hmm. in the Rocky Mountains. So basically, there was a, a a poem in the book that he published that was the the clue to where this treasure is hidden somewhere in the Rocky Mountains, okay. which is a very large area. Uh, so as you can imagine, with 350,000 people uh, seeking the treasure, but only uh, 20,000 of the book, copies of the book being yeah. sold, like, 
Eventually, it was copied onto the internet, but the most hardcore treasure hunters like really went out of their way to get copies of yeah, this book. it was important. Yeah. And speaking of hardcore treasure hunters, there were definitely those. So while a lot of people just sort of, you know, uh, went out for a weekend to kind of look and camp mm-hmm. and say, oh, I hunted for, uh, for they, forest they got treasure. The t-shirt. I, I went it, to the Rocky Mountains and exactly. all I got was this. Some people took it very seriously. Uh, there are people who quit their jobs and became full-time treasure hunters. Now, I have a question. Yep. You're saying that he, after the police raided him, mm-hmm. he decided to hide this many million dollars of his stuff and it goes that's where it is is somewhere in the rocky mountains yep doesn't that connect it a little bit <laughs> isn't that connected where he's like all my things are gone don't worry about it well I, could I, you prove that no but also <laughs> did he live in america oh yeah yeah so absolutely. how did he get all that shit across the he border lived in santa fe new mexico how did he get those okay so he lived in new mexico yep. how did he get all those things across the border whenever he drove to washington they're like let me look in your car and we have like all of our shit in like garbage bags yes but we're not independently wealthy (laughs) artifact dealers that's for sure yeah i wonder like what the deal like what what is what are the laws with driving around with like a a couple million bucks worth of artifacts in your car i don't know i like to imagine he had like goggles and a biplane and he flew flew, over the desert a lot i don't know i'm making that up like i don't have anything to back that up i'm imagining an rv yeah like a shitty rv that's falling apart but you know what that makes a lot more sense very well it could be maybe he took it by train that's pretty old timey that is pretty old timey so was he an artifact dealer before he got cancer? Uh, I believe so. I, I think he was for several years. So when he got cancer and he decided that he was going to have a new lease on life. That's he, when things really cranked He basically up. got crazy. Well, he was eccentric. I don't know no, if he no, was no. crazy. I, mean, I don't mean crazy as in mentally cra- insane. I mean like he was like, let's let's go crazy. Let's yeah. do this. Yeah, exactly. I got to give 110%. He, he wanted to inspire people to have adventure in their lives inspire people did he tell people about it did he do like yeah. a blog that, well that's he he uh, he had a blog oh, did he? oh yeah oh and he published this book and he said all right i've i've hidden a, a lot of treasure okay i want to read his blog so there were people who spent literally their entire life savings hunting for treasure did in the rockies get hurt when they did it uh so there are at least five people who died holy shit while searching what does he for say about this forest fence treasure um, at one he, at one point, like the widow of the first person that died blamed him, yeah. said it was his fault. Wow. And she said she thought the whole thing was a hoax. I think it's a hoax too. Lady, I agree with you. Although I don't think it's his fault. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to go on a crazy treasure hunt, you're just going to find it no matter what. Yeah. In 2017, the uh, the chief of New Mexico State Police implored Forrest on like a personal <laughs> level. He's like, please put this to an end people are dying the death toll is climbing yeah but they're canadians or at least they're in canada so it's not like he is canadian no no no. are those rocky mountains the american rocky mountains yeah yeah yeah. okay wait oh my god all that stuff about the border i assumed he crossed over to canada no 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 no. we're talking about america here i forgot how big the the rocky mountains are big my god okay got it i learned two things during this session so there were a few treasure seekers a couple i think that um they decided after they followed the instructions in the book and were not able to find the treasure they're like well this is a hoax so i'm going to sue you (gasps) but why he doesn't promise anything he didn't like i think the only reason you can sue somebody just spitballing okay Mm -hmm. if someone you hire someone like a sherpa and they say i promise no matter what i will take you to the top of mount everest i swear to god here's the contract i'll sign it you sign it and then he doesn't take you i think that's the only really way you could do that yeah they bought a book exactly what the fuck 
Yeah. You know what and I mean? Plus, how are they going to prove that it's not there? And they self-publish. Yeah. How are they going to prove? Yeah. That's really true. So they sued him unsuccessfully. Yeah. No shit. Plus, he's rich as balls. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, independently wealthy. <laughs> Um, I got my money the honest way. There was uh, one treasure hunter who was arrested for causing a huge amount of damage to a national park by going in with like an excavator God and damn. just blasting through holes. What an evil dude. Yeah. That's, that's not okay. Yeah. Just let you guys know out there. Don't do that. No, don't do that. Uh, in 2018, a man with a hatchet broke into his house uh, to seek clues now we're talking. as to where the treasure was. And w- I bet he just laughed and spit out blood. So <laughs> he wasn't home, but his oh. daughter was. Oh, fuck. How old was she? Uh, like well, an adult. She was an adult. Uh, she was also packing. So she was able to apprehend the man who broke oh, in. Oh, packing. God, yeah. I don't have, I don't know anything about guns. I thought you meant she was packing up the house. I'm like, but where no, was she, she was going? she packing heat. <laughs> but where was she going? She was armed. Oh my God. So that burglary was bungled. That's like the only time you should carry a gun if your father Is has- an eccentric millionaire <laughs> who is hidden gold yes. in the hills. Yes. Then I think it's okay. Yeah. That's yeah. the, uh, That's the, the new w- second amendment. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, yeah, this is a pretty crazy story, and um, it all kind of came to a head in June of 2020 when Forrest Fenn announced on his blog that the treasure had been found. Isn't that convenient? Yep. So he said, oh, someone found the treasure. Uh, Hunt's over. Everybody stop looking. Hmm. Um, By the way, uh, the person who found the treasure wants to remain anonymous, so I will honor that request, and uh, I won't tell anybody who it was. See you later. Love, Forrest. Now, some people immediately came out and said, well, I don't believe there ever was a treasure. So he posted a picture of the chest and it being filled with treasure. How, was it a recent picture, or was it from like when he buried it? It was a picture from before he buried it. And uh, so I looked at the picture and it does look legit. I mean, he, there's no doubt he's an artifact dealer. Yeah. He owns all these expensive things. He definitely had a bronze chest that was packed full of gems and gold. Don't we all? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The question is, did he actually bury it? Yeah. Here's my question to you. How does this man who I assume is a spindly, skinny, weak man? No, he looked like a dad. Like a, just a normal dad. Yeah. Okay. In my head, he's kind of like. (laughs) he's like an old wizard type okay how does this father how does this father physically carry this like surely he had someone else to do it with him he said it took two trips so the the bronze chest weighed 20 uh kilograms in american terms uh or 20 20 pounds i guess i think so the bronze chest weighed medium cat the bronze chest weighed 20 pounds okay and the treasure within it weighed 22 pounds that's less than i thought he said he made two trips okay to, uh, to bring it out. Okay, that's way less than I thought. For some yeah. reason, I was thinking like gold, like heavy ass gold. Okay. It was like gold coins. Yeah, but that must be heavy. No way that weighs only 20 pounds. I don't know. I'm calling bullshit. Maybe it wasn't worth as much as he said either. I feel like it was a tax evasion thing or like a hiding from the government thing. So yeah, now there's kind of like three theories. Okay. Theory number one, someone found the treasure, like mm-hmm. he said, and... um you know, case closed. Theory number two, there never was a treasure. Well, there was a treasure that he took a picture of, but then he put it back in his cupboard. Yeah. He's like, heh, heh, heh. gotcha. Uh, theory number three, the treasure is real, but no one has ever found it. And he wanted the hunt to end. Oh, because of the sadness? Because of the deaths and the people breaking into his house trying to get him and uh, That's people a conspiracy destroying parts. theory right there. Yeah. That's what some of the, the treasure hunter true believers yeah. still believe that it's still out there. Um, even. It's very convenient, isn't yes. it? 
I mean, if he knows where it is, why doesn't he go get himself if he really wants to stop the hunt? Well, we'll never potentially know for sure because in September of 2022, <gasps> Forrest Fenn died. Of what? Uh, old age, I guess. He was 90 years old. And so the real like definitive uh, knowledge of what happened to his treasure and who found it, if it ever was there, probably died with him. I bet his daughter knows. Maybe. She's packing. Um, but he was very insistent that he was the only one who ever really knew. Okay. When you win the lottery, as we both know, as we've talked about in the past, when you win the lottery, bad things happen, right? Mm-hmm. People find out you won like even like a, you know, $500,000. People start asking you for money, yeah. make a bunch of purchases. Your life almost always go downhill. Yeah. So if someone actually found the treasure, I 100% respect their choice to not become the center of attention. And maybe someone who actually like just saying if it actually got found, mm-hmm. maybe it was someone who was in close contact with him who developed a relationship like, you know, like cordial. He said it was a person that he did not know. Oh, interesting. Um, I was thinking he just respected them because he knew them. Yeah. But I so guess- he, what he said was that it was a person he did not know. It was a person from back east. He described it as like the far east. I don't know. <laughs> How east are we talking? And he said that he knows for sure that the person found it because they sent him a photograph of the treasure. And then do you think he just died because he's like, my work here is done? Maybe. Maybe that was uh, all he needed to see. Maybe <laughs> the curse was lifted. The curse? Oh, no. <laughs> Who knows? Okay, what do you believe? I like to think that there really was a treasure. And I think someone really did find it. That's really very idealistic of you. I do not believe there is a treasure. I think he got scared after the guys raided his home. And he maybe was like, I got to get rid of some of this stuff. I got to hide it somewhere. <laughs> and so he like had a storage locker in some little like New Mexico city and he like went to it and he's like, my precious, my precious <laughs> But then things. why make up the story about the... For fun. Because huh? of the thrill. Because, you know, it's just a mindset, right? Yeah. It's like, it doesn't really matter if there's a treasure buried. It's the fun we had along the way. Yeah. The real treasure was the friends we made and along the way. all the people way. who died. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I really don't know him. I don't know his mindset. Yeah. But to me, this probably was linked directly to when the, the people raided his house. Mm. It was he like kind of like a libertarian. Like what was his what were his political beliefs? I, I, I'm not really sure on his political yeah. beliefs, but um, I, I got to think that a rare artifact dealer probably Doesn't has want the government to, some more, yeah. art, uh, you know, libertarian type beliefs. Yeah. I'm not really sure, though. I can't say. That's fascinating. Yeah. Truly is. I did not know all that about him. So that is sort of a a very modern uh, treasure hunt story. The funny thing is, is that his attitudes feel so like, you know, old D&D fantasy. You know, he's like, I did this. I published a book. I did this. Like to me, he sounds like a, like an artificer or whatever yeah. from D&D. Yeah, the the vibe that I got when he kind of wrote about this, the treasure being found is that he was almost sad about it. Yeah. I, I feel like there's a part of him that kind of wanted that legacy to live on for like many, many, many years. Yeah. Like people would always be searching for the lost treasure of Forrest Fenn. People keep dying. Yeah. He's like, I wish people would just keep dying. Although maybe the, you know, the adventure is worth the deaths in his mind. Yeah. Well, you know, you and I both, you believe that there is a treasure. I do not. I believe there was a treasure, but he never buried it. He just put it into um, a shed and then went out at night and stroked it and said, oh, these things. <gasps> what happened Ooh. to all this stuff? Did he leave it to his kid? I don't know. All right. Well, that is uh, Me Teach You. Yeah. Thanks for listening once yeah. again. Thank you so much to, for listening to Me Teach You. Thanks for listening to Me Teach You. Our show is new, and you may not know this, but the first few weeks are the most important when it comes to getting the word out there. If you like what you hear and you want to hear more, please subscribe to the show 
on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Leave a review and tell a friend if you think they might like it too. You can connect with us at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook if you search me teach you. That's all one word with the letter U as in university. And of course, if you have any interesting topics that you think we should cover, email us at smart at meteachyou.com. 